This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Exodus chapter one, and we're at the end of the chapter, and we're going to be dealing with um, this what what appears to be a moral conundrum. It's one of those things that I think oftentimes believers have never really thought through, and it is a important understanding to have and and a way to through situations and deal with it analytically in such a way that you come to the right conclusion because morality is not subjective. It's not based on your own opinions. It's based off of God's character and nature. And so morality, because it comes from God and truth is Jesus is truth himself, we need to understand how how to navigate the situations of life as these midwives were navigating the situation with their with their ruler Pharaoh and his order to kill the Hebrew boys. And first of all, I just say one of the ways that I think through it, because I am an attorney in law school, <clears throat> they had this idea and it actually was a course and the course was called the conflict of laws. I'm not quite sure that I actually took the course but the principles that undergirded the course were spoken of and dealt with oftentimes in different classes. And the reason that you had to have that understanding is that certain jurisdictions, certain governments, laws may at times in unique situations conflict with each other. Let's say a municipality and a state law might find a place of conflict, a state law and a federal law might be in conflict with each other. And the situation might be such that uh, in all actuality, what would normally happen is if a federal case and a, a state case were in conflict, the federal law would be preeminent. But that's not always the case because the Constitution provides areas for which the federal government should be preeminent, and then it provides for which state government should be preeminent. And Likewise, I guess even if a municipality or a uh, local government might have a law that was in conflict with state law, the state might actually not have jurisdiction there just for the fact that the state had given the municipality that power, maybe in a statute, maybe even in the state constitution. I don't know. But those conflicts are problems. And in this case, this would be a much easier idea to deal with, a much easier situation to deal with, is the conflict between the midwives doing what they would have seen as completely evil, and it would have been completely against their character and nature, because obviously as midwives, one their passion would have been children, and they would not in any way in their nature 
want to be killing babies because their whole existence, their whole meaning in life revolved around bringing children into the world. And the killing of these Hebrew boys or these Hebrew babies would have been abhorrent to them. They would have just said, this is terrible. This is a terrible idea. This is an awful situation and we would not want to do it. But that being said, there has to be some standard, some way of looking at things, some understanding that comes from God. Notice it doesn't need to come from us because we're not talking about subjective truth, meaning you have your own truth and that's how you operate. We're talking about objective truth, which is objective moral standards. And and for those of you who may say, well, I don't necessarily, I believe in my own truth. You really don't. And I'll tell you why. You don't believe that in any world, according to any human being, it's objectively, it's subjectively okay for them to, for them to torture and kill little children. Nobody objectively believes or subjectively believes that it's okay for someone to think that's okay and to act upon that. Nobody thinks that. And so what that means is that truth is something that is beyond the individual. That truth is something that is uh, in many ways written into the universe. And so you can't say in your heart that that truth is subjective. It's not. It's objective. It's an objective truth. It's something that everybody knows to be true. And it's not based off of some moral understanding that we have amongst ourselves as a society. It's based off of a truth that we can gain from just looking at the world and understanding that's wrong and not good. And anybody who would believe that to be good is evil. And that is a objective moral truth. That is something that is objectively true. In this situation, you have two, what we would call laws or biblical understandings or biblical truths that seem to be in conflict with each other. One of them is that the Ten Commandments tells us that thou shalt not lie or thou shalt not bear false witness. And quite clearly in this situation, the Hebrew midwives, it says, and the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. Maybe in some ways, we do know there's difference in races and there's innate differences in those things. But generally speaking, women are women and childbirth is different for every woman. They may, in their body types, they may be different, but childbirth is childbirth. And for they are living for, or they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them, which means what they're saying is the reason we didn't kill these babies is we didn't get there in time to kill them. Now, if that's the case, if that's actually the case, they may have been slow in coming so that they wouldn't have to kill the babies, but still they would have been not following the orders of their sovereign or their king. They would have been, they would have been intentionally subverting his will. They would have been going against his will. Now, question is, why and is it okay for them to lie? Is it okay? There's a conflict of law here. There's a conflict of truth. There's a conflict of objective moral truth that is coming in here. And when you think about this, you got to say, is there a moral truth? Is there a moral law that is above this, that takes preeminence over this, that I can apply to this situation and say, 
then that is okay. Then that is what should have been done. In fact, that is just a right that they lied to Pharaoh when they said that. And the answer to that is absolutely there is. Jesus was the angel, was the Lord God who gave Moses the law on the mountaintop. And in fact, he told the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the chief priest, he said, before Moses was, I am. Which means, he, he said, before Abraham was, I am. And what he's saying is, I came before them and I gave those laws. I gave those treatises. I gave you those objective truths to live by, which we can now call the Ten Commandments. I am the source and the author of those things. And so when they were looking at it and they were thinking about it and they were, that, that flabbergasted them. How could he be before uh, Abraham? How could he be before Moses? Because he is the great I am. He always has existed. And he gave them those laws. Now, in, in the New Testament, he gave us a greater law a higher law, a law that is more that does not, it does not destroy the other law. It doesn't, it, he did not, he said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And so in him coming to the earth and being a man, he gave us a law that's greater than the 10 commandments. It takes preeminence. It's more important. And you say, what is that law? And I teach it all the time. I go over it all the time. And the reason I do is because it is of great importance that it is ingrained in your heart because it is the preeminent objective moral truth that God has in the universe that we live in. And that objective moral truth is highly important that you know it and that you live by it. And that moral truth is this. What is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest law? And the greatest law is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. What, what it's saying is to love God with your whole essence, loving physically, loving spiritually, loving within your own will, your own heart, your passions, your own intellect, your thoughts. You love God with everything that is you. That is the superior and supreme law. And then he says, and the second is like unto it. And the word like is not mean it's a simile. It means that they're inseparable. That word we translate like means is they have to go with each other. If you have one and not the other, you don't have the first, okay? You can't have one and not the other. They got to go together. Make sense? And in, in Southernese, that means they got to go together, okay? And so what that means is that the second one is just as important and is equal to it. And that is to love your neighbor as yourself, which means that I have a duty to love those around me as I would love myself. I have a duty to do unto others. It takes the form of the golden rule also to do unto others as I would have them do unto me, which means that my actions should reflect my moral love of myself and my moral love of others. And it ought to be innately tied to a preeminent commandment, which says to love God with everything I have. So if I'm to love God with everything I have and to love my neighbor as myself, I have to love them, love them passionately. I have to love them with my mind. I have to care about them and be concerned for their well-being and their future. And I have to love, and who is our neighbor? Then Jesus gave us the story of the Good Samaritan. The neighbor is anyone who I come in contact with. They're my neighbors. Anyone that I have relationship with, anyone that I come across in my life, I'm to love them 
primarily. And then a new commandment he gives us, which is the culmination of all those commandments, is to love each other, meaning love other believers as Christ loved us, which means a self-sacrificial love toward other believers, a a giving to other believers, a caring for other believers, a caring beyond yourself for other believers. These things are of high importance. They're of great importance in the kingdom, and they're in great importance in how we live our lives and what we do, okay? Those are the preeminent law. And so if you're going to deal with the conflict of law, is it which is the greater law? Which is the more important law? Lying to Pharaoh about evil that he's ordered me to do or to love my neighbor as myself, to love each other as he has loved me. The preeminent law is the law of love. And so the question is, is if the Nazis are knocking at your door and the Jews are underneath underneath the house in a cellar, do I, if they ask me if there's any Jews there, do I tell them, sure, they're down in the cellar, go get them and kill them? Or do I lie to the Nazis and say they're not there? The answer to that question is an obvious answer. It's, a, it's an objective moral truth. We know that. We know that the answer to that question is an objective truth. And the objective truth is that the law of love is preeminent. And what that means is that I am, I'm not going to give them over to the Nazis. Now, now remember, the law of love means to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That means I need to love his will his character, his nature above all things. And so that means I place his character and nature above all things. So that means that I don't always use the law of love to lie and say, I just, I was loving somebody, so I lied to them. That, that's not how it works. Oftentimes, lying to someone is not in their best interest. It's not according to God's will. It, oftentimes, lying to them is withholding the truth from them. And so I can't say that I'm doing what's in their best interest. I care about them. I didn't want to hurt their feelings. No, sometimes they need to hear the truth. Sometimes they need to understand what truth is. And so uh, it's not this, this hierarchy of law is not a license to live immorally or live ungodly. It's not, and it can't be used that way. But when you're dealing with clear moral distinctions, when I know that if I give up these Jews in my basement, they're going to be killed by the Nazis. I don't tell the Nazis that they're there. If I know that if I arrive on time for this childbirth, I'm going to be forced according to Pharaoh's instructions and according to his orders, I'm going to have to kill these children. I don't do it. And notice what happened. Therefore, God, now this is how we know that they did rightly. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. Notice, the people flourished because they acted rightly. They acted according to objective moral truth. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided them households. Notice, he gave them husbands and he gave them families. He blessed them because they acted properly. They acted rightly as far as the way the universe is set up to operate according to God's moral and according to God's will for the universe, his morality and his will. And so Pharaoh commanded all his people saying, every son who is born, you shall cast in the river and every daughter you shall save alive. Notice what he's telling me is he's moving past the midwives and he's just saying, throw all the kids into the river, all the babies into the river, all the firstborn children in the river. And ultimately God's going to even use this evil for good because he's going to bring about Moses out of this. Now, I need you to understand this because we are, we've been dealing all week 
with this whole idea of murdering children, infanticide, the killing of babies. And we already know that this week has been a it's been a, a exciting and suspense-filled week as far as our nation and our position on infanticide or the killing of babies in the womb and even killing babies up to the point where they might even come out of the womb. There are states in the United States that are going to authorize the murder of babies that could be born the day that they're murdered. Be viable and live. And let me say that this is a preeminent understanding of the law. You say women have a right to autonomy to their bodies. That's not in the Constitution. If you're going to deal with conflicts of laws, that is not that's not constitutional. In fact, it can't be gained from it can't be gained from the 14th Amendment. It can't be gained. It, you can't get to that place where constitutionally. In fact, even the most liberal of legal scholars will tell you that is just made up out of whole cloth. But we do have a preeminent law, the fundamental foundation of our own personal law. I mean, our own law. And that law is started or began, the foundation began with what we call the Declaration of Independence. And in that Declaration of Independence, at the very beginning, it says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. That means equality of outcome, equality of opportunity, not equality of outcome, but equality of opportunity. We're all equal before the law. We're all equal, just like we're all equal before God. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Notice, endowed by their creator, meaning we're being given by our creator, which means there is a God, and which means there is objective moral truth. We've been endowed by our creator. We're certain unalienable rights, meaning the rights that cannot be removed from the individual human being. These are rights that cannot be removed. And among them, and it's in descending order of importance and preeminence, among them, number one is life, then liberty or freedom, and then the pursuit of happiness, okay? The pursuit of your own will and your own desires. So you've got life, liberty, and the pursuit of your own desires. And those are in descending order of importance. And we understand that the objective moral truth that is endowed in us by our creator, God, is, first of all, life. First of all, primarily, life. And everything else flows from that. And without that, there is nothing. If we don't have a right to our own lives, we have nothing. And we understand that that body autonomy is not a higher law than life itself and the right to life. And and if anything has taught us that, these last couple of years have taught us that. You, according to many on a certain side of the aisle in our government and in our society, you don't have a right to your own body. You've got to take certain things into your body. You must do exactly what they say with your body, even though you don't want to, even though you don't desire it. Now, that being said, I understand that there are important things that must be done. And you'd say, you don't love your neighbor if you don't do these things. Well, you can make that argument. We'll talk about that as far as science and as far as how things actually played out and whether or not you were right about those things. But the truth is that autonomy over your body is not true. I can't do anything I want to with my body. That's clear in that's clear in the law. I can't take drugs. That's against the law. I can't take drugs when I have a baby in my womb. If I'm a woman, 
That's against the law. In fact, we prosecute that all the time. It's, it's willful. It's the abuse of a child prenatal. You do not have full autonomy of your body anywhere in our law. And even if you did, it would not be preeminent over the higher law, which is that we're all endowed with our creator with certain inalienable rights, which is one of them is life. And it is the main one. It's the first one. It's the most important one. And you don't have a right to determine to kill the life that's in you, even though you may want it gone in your autonomy and your physical body. You don't have that right. And if you were dealing with objective moral truths, then taking of that life would be objectively wrong. And those who want and everything in their fiber and their being is centered around allowing the killing of children, especially the killing of children that are viable outside the womb, which you're going to see many states enact that law is, I want you to hear me today, is objectively evil. It is objectively evil. To kill a baby that would be able to live outside the womb is objectively evil and abhorrent to nature and to God and is an abomination. There's no other choice. There's no other way to logically think through this. It is evil. May God bless you this morning. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he reveal himself to you and give you hope and peace today. In Jesus' name, amen. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.